Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth, Talking Terror. We are back live tonight with the demonic Dr. Dave and his film pick of the week, The Hitcher from 1986, directed by Eric Red. Uh, very excited to talk about that movie later on with the late, great Rutger Hauer. But first, I'm joined by the bald, the beautiful, the scary stories, Ghoul Geek Thief. Hello, 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 everybody. What is going on tonight? What is going on indeed, and how have you been, Ghoul, since we last spoke? I am grand and dandy as always, my friend. You know, doing this, doing that, doing just about whatever the hell I can. Mm. Excellent. So glad to hear it. So glad to have you back. Uh, we're not going to be joined by the Mad Monkey, because the last time I spoke to him, he was still fist-pumping at 3 o'clock in the morning on the Jersey Shore, shaking his little monkey ass. So we're not going to see him this week, but maybe next week when he comes back. Yeah, and shake, what your mama gave you. shake what your mama gave you. Shake what your mama gave you. He was. He was indeed. He was shaking it all night long at Club Bamboo. Uh, so we will yeah, get man, to him next week. He's totally hitting up the gay clubs over there, man. I know it. It's okay. Oh, you know it. monkey. We love you. Whips and chains and all. Uh, but we are joined by the returning demonic doctor himself who just celebrated his birthday dicks. just the other day. Happy birthday, Doug. <laughs> yes, yes, we oh, did. <laughs> thank you. And the ghoul, you sound so uh, enthusiastic uh, tonight. Your your entrance was so uh, vivacious and full of life. It was, was it not? Shall I speak more eloquently and politely? Hi, I am the ghoul. How are you? Indubitably, I'm fine. Thank you so much for asking. Mm. A man of Matter, many words, you. many words. Uh, yes. All the time. Uh, it was Muzz, my birthday just a couple of days ago. Uh, I was not able to Yesterday. participate in the... A couple of yeah. days ago. Uh, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It wasn't yesterday. It was the 12th. <laughs> Today's the 14th. It was a couple of days ago. Today the 13th? Did I miss Today's a whole the whole day? the 14th. You missed a whole day. It's the 14th. Oh, you missed you a miss whole day. day. It's been blurry, man. It's been blurry, okay? Blurry? You don't even drink anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's been fucking raining over here, and and I, I I have the A-list thing now, so I've been getting off of work early, so I go see fucking movies. I actually used up all three of them this week already. All three. Ooh. Wow. I feel empty. Look at you. I can't go. Good for you. Oh, good for you. Good, good for you. Uh, but yes, uh, so aside from that, I obviously was not able uh, to take part in the last edition of the Talking Terror program, but I'm excited to be back here uh, once again to, to join in all the fun and lend a third voice because of the monkey choosing to slack this week. As always, 
Somebody's got to slack, and it was the monkey's turn this week. So he'll be back next week, hopefully. Does he do a blow know. off of, like, dude's long, hard shafts, you know? Uh, monkey's fucking crazy. <laughs> Lengthy teenager. He, he's got to hit those rails. He's got to get that cocaine. Not <laughs> <laughs> cocaine. I know we always rocking like horror news and all that shit, man. But, you know, I don't always just watch horror movies, as you guys all know. Um, sometimes well, I like musicals. You do I. Da, 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 da. But <laughs> my main thing for this, though, you know, I recently just watched a show over the course of like the last week or so. And, wow. you know, I really want to give credit where credit is due for the show, as well as just say that, you know what, if you haven't seen it yet, you should check it out. Um, it's a show called Euphoria that is on HBO currently. Um, the whole season is done. It was an eight-episode run. Wouldn't have seemed like the kind of thing I would have found interesting, but something about it made me decide to start, you know, just watching it on a whim. It is a highly, highly unsettling, disturbing view into teenage culture today. It approaches a lot of topics and subjects from different angles and perspectives. But what I found to be, you can tell that the people that that created the show, now this is based off of a show that was from Israel, um, from like two thousand, they only had one season in like two thousand twelve or so. Obviously, the writer has updated it, um, but you can tell that the show is coming from an, a place that he understands, but that he's also listening to the younger people that he has working as the actors and actresses for him, um, because you can very much feel the validity in all of these characters. Um, and yeah, Zandaya, who plays like the, the lead character Rue in the series is just fucking utterly phenomenal. You know, she's in the Spider-Man movies and I'm always like, eh, whatever. I really haven't seen her in anything else besides that. I, I never watched any of the Disney shows she was a part of. This girl can fucking act and her portrayal of the character in this show is just fucking groundbreakingly ridiculously amazing. It's awesome. So definitely check it out. Okay, so Euphoria. I mean, that's kind of like Larry Clark was doing back in the 90s, though. It's not like that's new. Larry Clark was exploiting teenagers long before Euphoria. <laughs> okay. Who's Larry well, Clark? Sorry. Kids. Uh, uh, kids oh, yeah. did. Um, trying to think of the other ones. Uh, Ray Park, Gummo, <clears throat> those movies. Where it's just uh, all about fucking, seen, this is what teenagers are. This is a are. series. Speaking of kids, okay, though, what's no. funny is actually the ki- the kid, the main kid in the show, in the movie Kids, is in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's actually no in way. there. He's like one of the background characters. <laughs> he popped up. I looked at him. I'm like, holy fuck! Like, wasn't he named like Elmo or some shit like that? I forget what his yep. character's name yep. was in Kids. But, uh, but yeah, fuck, and he was in them. I saw him and I was like, holy fuck! Look at that, you AIDS having motherfucker. <laughs> That's where he came from. Hey, AIDS. that's awesome though that they put uh, that character from kids in Euphoria, which is all about teenage exploitation. So, yeah, HBO, check it out, I guess, Euphoria. Sounds like a, a ghoul pick for this week. And it's got titties. There are titties to be seen. Okay. Well, uh, teen titties. 
I don't want to see those. But. Oh, I will. Uh, but you know what? I will warn. I will warn. I guess I, as a disclaimer, because if I'm saying titties, I have to tell you, I have seen more dicks than I've ever wanted to see in my life because there are just dicks everywhere in this show. So yeah, he missed them true. You're gonna see. You're gonna see a <laughs> yeah. lot of dicks. You know, and I'm Fantasy only saying film. that because I'm, I'm telling you, I'm warning you. There is just a lot of dicks. So I don't. Okay. The cool girl loves it because you know what. Like she always says, you always see naked women on TV. You always see naked women in movies. And as much as she enjoys the female form, every now and again, it might be nice to see, you know, a guy representing as well. So there is plenty of that representation going on. You like like penises. Well, I have one. I like mine. A lot. (laughs) Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Self love is the best love sometimes. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Um, but before I wanted to get to the doc for what he's got for tonight, uh, there's one thing I wanted to bring up real quick uh, because I just found out about this before we went on air tonight. Uh, that Alexandria Aha from director of Crawl and the remake uh-huh. of The Hills of Eyes, he is working with the people that are be- yeah Aha uh-huh, yeah he's working with the people that are behind. Uh, the Haunting of Hill House, which is Mike Flanagan's film on Netflix, the series rather. Your, He's funny, I'm your favorite shit. director. Yeah, I know. My favorite. I love him. Thank you, Mike Flanagan, for your expertise in filmmaking. <laughs> but they are working on a true adventure Law. film. Yeah, no, not this time. <laughs> Did you this check is, the bumps on Walt Flanagan's no, ass? Yeah, no, I'm good. But feeling, what it is is uh, the, the lumps on Walt's asshole. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Might as well get behind it, but it's a, a choose-your-own-adventure horror film where there's going to be an app involved where you get to choose kind of what how the plot goes, where it's the characters, the ending, the situations. All through this app, it's very much like a William Castle gimmick from the '60s because we did just cover Mr. Sardonicus a couple weeks ago. Uh, this could I heard be really that was cool. exciting. I mean, it was a good episode. You should listen. Pretty good. Um, but I'm pretty excited about this project coming up because there's not really any details other than he's planning on making this. But I feel like an interactive horror movie, I'm in. Like, I think that's going to be a lot of fun for people in the audience, not just sitting there and watching it, but actually having an impact on what happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I think it's a, an interesting way to spice up a movie experience. Um, you definitely are making it a, a social atmosphere that's something i think we don't see in theaters mm-hmm. anymore um you know i don't know what was the social like atmosphere that we used to see everybody laps and claps at the same time no 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 but i remember when i was younger going to the movie theaters and you know you would actually sit there and uh, talk with the people not only like who you, you were there with but you might really? actually socialize with the people I would. yeah you know you never did that man yeah. we've done no. that before look at fear and loathing <laughs> we have stumbling out we were oh, sharing well, I mean, a bottle of different. tequila with everybody we in the be because we had a bottle of tequila I don't go sit in the movie theater and talk to the neighbors around me, but when we walk in the theater, half in the bag, drinking beers in the parking lot and smoking joints with a bottle of tequila, I'm feeling kind of festive. <laughs> That's festive. the atmosphere that I want when I go to the theater, at least not But you don't drink before. tequila anymore. No, but I can still have a very social experience before oh. and after the film. As long as you keep your mouth fucking shut during the movie, we're perfectly fine. <laughs> oh, 
Well, <laughs> Doc, what do you think about choosing your own adventure horror movies? It's not a matter of saying, oh, what do I think about choose-your-own-adventure horror movies. It's more because it's not like this is something that's been happening. But as a concept, I think it's a very interesting concept, and I feel that this is one of those situations where for it to work, they have to be sure about their technology and their execution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if it's a thing where, like, there's a fucking hiccup in the app – or it can't hand, or the app can't handle uh, X amount of users trying to work it at the same time. Uh, it, it potentially could sour people on this concept. Now, uh, aside from the gigantic tentpole movies that still bring in tons of dough, uh, from my readings, uh, you know, movie sales are. Are are on the decline and at low points. Yeah, and studios need yeah. to find different ways to entice an audience and get people in the seats or pay for the product. Um, especially once uh, in this day and age, it's very easy to watch something at home for free that might still be in the movie theater and watch it at a decent quality. Um, you know, it's an exciting twist. Uh, I'm sure it it. It's similar to when, like, 3D came around for the first time in the 50s and then had a little moment in the 80s and then had a little moment, like, 10 years ago. Uh, You know, if this is, like, a new thing that gets people excited and gets people to spend money on it, you will see more of of this. But I feel that the early – the ones that are going to take a chance on this in the beginning are going to have to do it right because I feel it's one of those things where people go for it uh, if it doesn't work, it's going to be one of those things where people are going to be like, oh, well, I tried that shit, and I'm not going to try it again. Uh, I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, I think it's cool that the, the, the genre that this is kind of being spun with is the horror genre. I think that adds a little uh, you know, exciting uh, extra twist for us, uh, especially looking as we continue to find new content to bring to our show. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to, to, to seeing it. I'm looking forward to tracking uh, the progress leading up to it. Uh, you know, and I'm a fan of the director uh, most of the time. So uh, if, they, if he can kind of go the fun all the way route that he has, that will be great. If he holds back, not so much. But it's definitely something yeah. that is very interesting to me, and I will be looking forward to tracking this uh, project as it unfolds. As somebody who saw his latest work, um, he better bring a hell of a lot more than he did with Crawl. That's for shit fucking sure. Um, I think this is one of those things where the the, the first time they do it, and I'm sure they're going to know it, but that regardless of the quality of the film itself, you're going to get people out because they're just going to want to do something that's different and fun. I think if they're looking for this as far as any kind of longer-term, down-the-road investment type of thing, I think the better way to plan this out would actually be to do limited release runs in which maybe you do this as like a midnight movie thing. Make it more of like a, a special event type of environment for it. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the problem you're going to run into with this is, is do you want to tailor this kind of thing towards an adult audience make it a rated R, 
where you can have a film that actually has some decent violence. Your choices make a fucking, you know, a viable difference, you know. Do you want to cut that bitch's head off, or do you think she should take her shirt off? You know, you can go any number of things that make this a fun party type of movie. But you know they're probably going to go PG-13 because they want more people. Kids have their phones. Kids are always looking to use their phones. Bigger audience, built in, more money. Yeah, I definitely think it could work uh, as a PG-13 project. Of course, like you had just said, I would love to see it as a rated R film, you know, because you could impact the death. You could see more nudity, you know, whatever you want. But I think, like you had just said, PG-13 might attract a larger audience. But I like what you just said about it being like an event, because I think that if you do it as maybe like a fathom event, there's less chance of the app kind of breaking down as opposed to making it a theatrical run for all theaters across the country, because like the doc had said, that technology you're depending on it. So what if the Wi-Fi signal isn't strong enough? What if everybody's using it at once and it crashes and then you can't really do anything. So I think there, it's something that they really need to look into before they really get started with the film before anything else. They need to look into the technology and how it's going to work. Well, the funny thing you got to wonder too, though, then is it also going to be a William Castle-esque smoke and mirrors in which maybe there are two, three, four, five different cuts mm. of the film that they're going to just play at random times and make you think you're actually having an impact <laughs> on the film. You're never going to really know yeah. unless you actually go there with you know, a legitimate amount of people where you all agree at a set point that, hey, we're all going to vote this specific way whenever this goes down. You know, this way you can actually really make sure that you're affecting the outcome of the entire film. This way, if one thing goes in the other direction and, you know, there's 40 people in the theater and, you know, 39 of them voted for A, but all of a sudden it goes down B's path, well, now you know that it's fucking smoke and mirrors. That could be it, too. They could be going down that route, you know, unless they do something where they show a percentage at the bottom of the screen during that segment, and it shows 39% voted for A. They can show that all they want, but that doesn't mean that everybody actually voted in that way. They can show any percentage, you know, unless you actually know for a fact that everybody with you voted a specific way, and you know everybody in that theater there's no way to know for sure. Just like they kind of like William Castle did, you know, Hey, raise your hands. Do you think he should have the good ending or the bad ending? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the bad ending. Ooh, you know, ooh. every time everybody always went the bad ending. Yeah. No matter if you voted a good or bad, you always got the bad ending, which again, it could definitely be a gimmick, but it's a gimmick that I'm looking forward to seeing like the docket set. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, Collider is going to be the place where you're going to want to look for updates, I guess, because they're the exclusive um, this upcoming project, which is going to be a haunted house film, like I had said. Uh, but, Doc, you're back. What do you have in the horror news desk for us tonight? Uh, so I have not been uh, keeping track recently if there's anything doing with the ongoing saga between Mr. Miller and Mr. Cunningham in the Friday the 13th world. But I did read this morning that the Love Friday the 13th God. game uh, is now available for the Nintendo Switch. How exciting is that? Ooh. Fun Don't stuff. got it. Um, yeah, the only other thing that I know of is that NECA, I think about a month ago, issued a statement saying that they have to discontinue all of their projects for Friday the 13th because of the lawsuit. So you're not going to be able to buy any new things that they might have coming out. They've been told to cease and desist with creating any more Jason figures until it gets figured out. So NECA is kind of taking a hit on that. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I guess they could conceivably re-release any figures they've already made. It's just that they can't create any new content exactly. or molds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they've been told to just discontinue any plans that they had. The only uh, figure that they have that's new uh, that they're going to release is the Roy Burns Jason from Friday Five. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that they're going to be able to release. After that, they basically just have to stop altogether and wait to see what happens with the lawsuit and its conclusion. So it could be a while before you see a brand new figure from NECA, which is like the king of, of horror action figures. They should just come to a fucking agreement already, people. Come to an agreement. Right now, no one's making any money right now. You know, like, no. duh. No. Get it the fuck together. <laughs> like we've been saying idiots. all along. Yeah, it's just... It's, You're it's a dog, a Louise. Said. A dog! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, what's next, Doc? Ooh, in Chicago. Uh, the spiritual sequel to Candyman has begun shooting. Look out, the King of Horror, out. the King of Horror, and 19 other people are anxiously awaiting the creation of this cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, that's 20 people actually. One person got edited. So yeah, it's 20. Well, now, I said 19 I other people, including <laughs> you. So if you do the math, 19 plus one is 20. Well, I'm not going to know what. All right. Make it 21, okay? Because even though I really don't want to go see the movie, I'm going to go see it because I can go do that three times a week. Because you have Movie Pass now, so you can go see it. Yeah. A-list. Movie Pass but is yeah, its own yeah. thing. It's a totally different product, man. AMC A-list. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, well, there you go. Movie Pass A-list. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I know that they started filming uh, just this recently. They've added two more cast members to the list. Uh, I can't wait for it. Coming out next year. I'm going to be in the theater for it. I don't make it out to the theater very often, but this is going to be one time where I go. I saw Dora the Explorer this week. How'd that go for you? Uh, you know, it was actually, I'll be perfectly honest with you. It was <laughs> highly entertaining. You know what? It, it stayed true to the roots of what Dora the Explorer was as a cartoon series and having kids <laughs> that were of an age to, they may not have liked Dora the Explorer. They did not watch it on the regular. Uh, my, my son was a Blue's Clues kid. Um, mm. But uh, they stayed true to what it was while still being able to make fun of themselves about it. Uh, there were definitely a lot of very humorous moments that were highly entertaining, like belly laugh moments, and I really wasn't expecting that. Um, the young lady they have playing Dora is actually pretty hot. Um, she's 18, so I can say that. And, you know, Eva Longoria is her mom, and she's always nice to look at, too. So, I'll take well, it. And time. Michael Payne is it's... the father. You know, and he's always funny. <laughs> From uh, the Ant-Man movies. And we should movies. say truthful to Dora. <laughs> Can you say Dora the Explorer? No. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> bueno! I, I, think, I think more than anything else, though, in this climate that we have right now politically with everything going on, it's actually quite nice to see a film that has a mostly Latino cast, and, uh-huh. you know, it's highly celebrated 
amongst us as as a country. You know, nobody's mm. protesting the movie. Nobody's sitting there saying, you know, fucking send Dora back over the wall, this and that. You know, it's it's just funny because oh, when geez. you really break things down, <laughs> when you break things down, the reality is, you know what? We like our entertainment. We like fucking people, and that's that. You know, so so no matter who the hell is in charge or doing what, wherever. You know, all this dividing talk is really horseshit. You know, we need to stop doing that. We love fucking people. We do. It's America's pastime. Loving people. Fucking bitches. Not sorry, man. You know, no. Hashtag me too. <laughs> Look out. All right. So going away from Candyman. Oh, we got a musical interlude. Sorry. Forgot he has his, flute, uh, his recorder, I should say. For musical interlude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just moving it's just moving us on to the next subject, you know. <laughs> yep. Magic flute, take us away. Doc, what do you have next after Candyman? Uh so uh you know, now that Wesley Snipes is, you know, free to work again, I kind of been hoping to that he Not would reclaim Blade. his he would reclaim his throne as Blade. Because majority of vampire movies released in the last 10 to 15 years would be way better if Blade showed up and fucking killed them all. Now, yeah, I'm uh, sorry, with that have being... you seen Blade fucking Trinity, dude? So with that being said, oh, man, oh, suck my rough. balls. That movie, rough. even well, with Wesley Snipes, <laughs> and it sucked ass. Yes, and the next thing that I was going to say was that so he can also <laughs> redeem himself and the series from the travesty that was Blade Trinity. Uh, now... There has been a lot of talk about a Blade reboot, and I believe that a Blade reboot is even moving forward with Blade being recasted. But news that I had been reading today is that the upcoming, uh, I I guess the person playing Blade, uh, his name is Maharashala Ali. Uh, They don't have a screenwriter or a director yet, but uh, with this Marvel movie upcoming, uh, there apparently is a humongous rumor going around that Wesley Snape, Snipes is going to be starring in this movie as Dracula. What? That is killer. <laughs> I'm kind of in that. Yeah, I, I would think right now having no screenwriter and no other information, I would say that this is all complete rumor. Wow, you really haven't been on for a couple of weeks, huh? We talked about this a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, man. We did. Um, during com- yeah. Yeah, about during what? Comic-Con. The, the whole Blade thing. During Comic-Con. Dracula? No, as no, Rashella Ali being Blade and the fact that they're announcing that there's going to be a new Blade film, but not having any kind of release date nor where it's going to be in the next phase. Chances are it right. pops up in phase five. It's not going to be in phase four um, unless they're going to go straight up horror route with it and stay you know, R-rated, which at that point it'll be its own little standalone thing, similar to how the uh, the DC universe is going to have its new Joker film. Um, I don't see Wesley Snipes coming in as Dracula. Uh, I don't see Kevin Feige wanting to go that route with it in any way, shape, or form. So I think this is just all uh, Hollywood. Well, like I said, it is a rumor. It's just a rumor. Uh, it says that the rumor uh, is that apparently the powers behind the scenes uh, want Wesley Snipes back, but they also want to go parentheses old school, close parentheses with the plot, and they want to adapt this particular series. I guess Blade was introduced back in the 70s in a series called 
Tomb of Dracula, and that this yep. is the kind of material they want to source for this upcoming Blade reboot, uh, even though there's no screenwriter or director attached. No. I mean, it would be cool. I mean, I would be in if it became official and Snipes was Dracula and Marshall Ali is Blade. I'd, I'd be excited for that project, but Again, uh, what you're about. That's phase five, Blade is going to be interesting. Um, yeah. I think the other thing, though, I think if you're going to bring Wesley Snipes in, honestly, I think there's only one way to go with him as a character. I don't think you bring him in as your villain. I don't think you bring him in as the, the opposite of Blade. I say you bring is him he in the as Whistler? the Whistler character. You bring him in as Whistler. This is, you know, your next generation guy taking on the role mm-hmm. and, you know, still promoting him. But yeah, you know, you know I, I, I know. hear what you're it's saying with that. I, I do. Ghoul. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying about that. And I understand that point of view. But I feel like, uh, you know, whenever old properties that are beloved are talked about as far as being reboots, there's always this talk about like, oh, uh, we're going to bring back the veterans from the series and pass the torch to younger characters. And, uh, you know, that kind of mindset, I feel like, is the fucking cheap and easy route to go um, and not very imaginative. So I hear what you're saying, but I don't necessarily know that I would be like a huge fan of, of that direction. As somebody that yeah. hasn't seen any of the movies except for Iron Man, I don't think it really matters to them. You're not their target audience, dude. But he's seen Blade. Yeah, but but movies. am I not? I mean, I'm a huge fan of Wesley Snipes and Blade. Who else is the target audience, even though I'm not a Marvel guy? Well, but again, the point is, is Wesley Snipes isn't, isn't to be the focus of this film. He's not the guy that is promoting of the film. That's why, honestly, I'd be surprised if they even cast him in the movie at all. Um, Mm. You know, I know he supposedly is all on board as far as supporting the choice and whatnot, but I also know prior to that announcement, Wesley Snipes was throwing all kinds of flack out there that he was in talks with them and, you know, there was grumblings that they were going to bring Blade back. I mean, listen, with all the all the talks that they're doing with this multiverse stuff, too, it's very well possible that the first time we see Blade is actually in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And yeah. maybe we do see Wesley Snipes as Blade one last time, and he gets killed as the Blade character. And because it's a separate universe, we're going to see the new guy come in at that very point as we sidestep to another dimension. There's so many different ways they can go with it, but... You know, I I don't want to see them go any cheap and easy routes. But like I said, there all of this is built around us as the Marvel fans and us as the Marvel audience, the billions of dollars that were made with the Avengers movies, that kind of thing. Then they're not looking for the Wesley Snipes fans. That's Kevin Feige's been doing this right for a reason. You know, that's that's why they're making the money they're making. Good point. Uh so yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what happens with that project. I'm like, sorry, no, Google, can no you writer... repeat all of that? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Hold on. Where do I start? (laughs) Something about uh, something about target audiences. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On to the next news Uh, story. (laughs) Did uh, did and this 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 particular story is a quick one. Nothing we need to dwell on. Uh, Did you boys get a chance to take a look at the? poster advertising the upcoming American Horror Story season. I did. I uh, put it on the Talking Terror page, mm. facebook.com slash Talking Terror. Uh, Ghoul, did you get a chance to look at that? I have indeed seen it. 
pretty fucking cool, if I must say so myself. Uh, looks straight out of the fucking era. Yeah, it's got me so fucking stoked. When I put it up there uh, earlier this week, I was like, this fucking, the whole series looks like it's going to be aimed at us. Like, just a typical VHS box cover art for AHS 1984. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I feel like I shouldn't be as excited as I am, but I just, I can't wait for September 18th when the first episode drops. All right, uh, make Indeed. that whistle sound. Oh, sorry, hold on. Well, tell me what to fucking do, okay? Why don't you blow me, okay? <laughs> well, you know what? Better yet, I'll blow this. Thank you. So, uh, you're beating the fucking bongo over there? Uh, yes. Boom. Fucking Godzilla. Godzilla. I watched that yesterday. So, it was all right. I know. <laughs> uh, the uh, motion picture production company called Full Moon Features has announced right has announced major announcement here. Breaking news uh, that they are jumping in to the ever-growing streaming service with their very own streaming channel that will be <laughs> debuting with a $6.99 a month cost with a roster of films that, for the most part, is all in the public domain. Uh, so very <laughs> exciting. It's like the same fucking Who is this again? Shutter, uh Full <laughs> Moon Features. Puppet Master. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Trancers, Puppet Master, Castle Freak. Um, well, they'll pull it all off. They'll, whatever their demonic, contracts are. Demonic toys. The mm-hmm. other streaming sites, they'll just pull it all off of those and, you know, only put them on there. But like you said, a lot of it's public domain anyway. You'll find it on fucking YouTube still. All right. I have in front of me at this time uh, some of their uh, some of their very <laughs> fine um, <laughs> pat- uh, catalogs catalogs uh they have the Outdoor women walk. of the women of inferno island friday the 13th oh. <laughs> they have devil dolls they have axe to grind they have creepers like they have castle freak yeah. they have the puppet master catalog they have evil bong and evil bong 2 king bong evil bong 3 reefer madness and evil bong 4 20 uh, they have yep. Cinderella, Subspecies, Ragdoll, Bad Channels, Meridian Trancers, Head of the Family, Dangerous Rory Dolls, Decadent Evil 2 Blood Dolls, Demonic Toys, and Demonic Toys 2, The Ginger Dead Man, Devil Dolls, Crash, and others. Very exciting That's stuff, if you ask me. The Demonic Doctor <clears throat> brought to you by Full Moon Entertainment, everybody. <laughs> get that shit but they're also offering uh what i read is that they're also offering vip access to their new film so they're like hey guys watch all these movies that you can watch on youtube but if you pay six dollars a month you can get like vip access to all our other movies that other people can't get Eh, it's not enough for me to pay six dollars a month i'll just watch it when it gets on youtube it's 99 man They'll just send them offering it through Amazon, just like Shutter does. 
you know, and you know, people will just be like, oh, hey, it's only five bucks, and I really, I'm really fucked up right now, and I want to watch the evil bong sucks the fucking demonic toys, um, you know, so it's totally going really? spot by this right now, you know, um, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I, I've never checked into it since, but I know that Troma had started their own YouTube streaming thing, Troma now. whatever it is, yep. and I, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's been doing, but like, I don't, I don't have it. No, man, I do. Man, sorry, love you, Lloyd, but I'm not paying, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I paid I up the Lloyd for a little while. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Troma Now, that's their streaming service that offers their full catalog of movies and all the new ones too, just like Full Moon. But I like Troma much more than I like Full Moon, so. I'd be willing to pay Lloyd the money, not so much Charles Band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His movies aren't that great. I like Tromaville. don't like Charles Band. <laughs> All right, so that's another streaming service. So if you guys want to check out, you can. Full Moon Features. All right, uh, play oh, us out into another so story. Oh, exciting. Oh, yeah. Next story, please. I saw, scary, I saw scary fucking stories today, man. That was pretty fucking. Uh, How was that? It's it's a PG thirteen horror film, um, as it should be. I guess you know, obviously the books were tailored towards younger audiences, but still, you know, made to 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 be frightening. Yeah. Uh, I you know my personal opinion is that it relied too much on the the jump scare and loud sound factor. Rather than creating disturbing imagery, um, Is that I actually had, you know, of course not. But you know, I th- you know, basically, you know, my thoughts when I walked out of it was just like, look, you know, did, did I find myself entertained for the hour and forty minutes that I watched the movie? Moderately, yeah. uh, there were there were mm-hmm. three, and this I, I saw this at twelve p.m. today. Um, so obviously, I was wide awake. And I yet still found myself at three separate times almost dozing off during the film. Um, you know, but, you know, uh, one, it was a, uh, a review that I did read after the fact. And the one thing that he said, which I just, it really, like, it stood, it stood with me. Adding, he added that the monsters depicted in the film are scary, though they'd be much more so if they felt less like franchisable IP and more like the fervent expressions of the ills of the errors on which the film aims to comment. Um, Meaning that, you know, the actual, no, meaning that the creatures that were created for these stories, and there was a specific artist, I forget who it was, the the name of the guy. Stephen Gamble. But, like, they got... They got they got a lot of shit for his imagery simply for the fact that it was kind of disturbing and it made like commentary on shit, whereas this just simply yeah. feels like the the movie studio was so focused on just making something that either is going to make toys or make a good poster or look good on you know on TV and get more people in the seats mm-hmm. as opposed to staying to that truer nature of the 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 focus of what those creatures' design was. Um, you know, a little uh, shout out so that I did enjoy. I did enjoy seeing Penhurst Asylum. You know, I was there. <laughs> you know, so I was kind of yeah. like, funny. the movie <laughs> yeah. takes place in '68. I had no idea that this was yeah. a period piece. Um, oh, you didn't? That okay. being, no, no, I did not. I, I know, didn't know that. I was this shit blind half the time. Uh, I didn't that know being that. said, I did not feel 
like I was authentically watching something that was taking place in 1968. The kids did not mm-hmm. feel like 1968 kids. The the setting, the the demeanor of the people, nothing about it made me really feel like I was in that year while watching this movie. Um, but I wanted to, to say real quick is that I remember you saying, Ghoul, that you did not read any of the books as they came out. No, I did not. The Scary Stories books. So you went into this movie because you wanted to see it because obviously it's out and you have the, the A-list pass, so you went to go see it. I wonder if the doc or myself went to go see it because we were fans of those books if we would have a different perspective because like you said about the monsters, the reason they look the way that they do is because of Stephen Gamble who illustrated those books and they wanted to be as faithful as they could to his illustrations and that's why they look the way that they did. So I wondered if me going into that movie, I might love it because I love those books so much and the material that they're using for the movie as opposed to somebody like you who's never read those books. And just going into it, not even knowing that it's a 1968 period piece, so. Yeah, no, I, I do believe that. And I, we're going to actually be getting the books from the uh, the library so that we can start reading them. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, with, with filmmaking, part of their purpose should have been to, to make things that would have been relatable and accessible by all members of the audience – as opposed to mm-hmm. simply making something that in the end just seemed like, you know, oh, hey, it's a creepy scarecrow. Oh, hey, that's just a really big, white, doughy-looking woman that sucks some boy into her body. Like, you needed to – I'm sure if you actually read the stories, there was more to it. And I feel like that's where the movie failed to to give you that. You know, it almost felt like there were, like, just missing chunks of film – that would have been a, a, a better explanation of why things were going on the way they were going. Right. And because I feel like Scary Stories in the Dark is a love letter to those books. And I feel like, yeah, again, I feel like it does alienate a certain audience that does not know anything about those books, doesn't know about the stories that were in it, doesn't know about the illustrations. So I feel like they were doing it for the fans that grew up with those books and kind of excluding the people that never bothered to read them. So I feel like that is a crux. That's a problem. Because now you have people going to see this movie who've never read the books, never saw the illustrations, going, well, it's okay, I guess, you know, but I don't really get it. You know, whereas a fan of the book might go, holy shit, that's Harold. That's the pale lady. That's this. That's that. And completely loving the content because of remembering those books and where they were when they read those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you know, the idea I would think is is uh, the, 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 what they've estimated the budget of the film was, you know, it was like $28 million, but then I also heard that another $20 million was spent on advertising for the film, you know, and promoting the movie. So I don't know if it's that they spent $8 million on the movie and $20 million trying to promote it, or if it was $28 million yeah. and then another $20 million, meaning they spent $48 million total trying to promote this thing. It's only made like twenty four, twenty five at this point. Um, you know, now it did it released up against Hobbs and Shaw and, and other films that are you know still yeah. in theaters making money. But even Hobbs and Shaw, like I guess this goes to what the doctor was saying earlier with the decline in in theater sales and whatnot. That's a huge drop. Hobbs and yeah. Shaw. It's only made, I think, like a little bit over three hundred million, and whereas you know, oh, only three hundred million, it's a rock movie, 
you know, typically those films hit the six, seven, eight hundred million type level. So, yeah. How long has that movie been out though? <clears throat> Three weeks now. Oh, so it's been out. And I, time. I, yeah, and I mean, I saw it yesterday um, with Samantha. I brought the nine-year-old to it. Um, you know, it's a. It's an action film, the kind of action film that, you know, as kids, I think we would have loved. You know, it felt very much in line with, like, the Schwarzenegger movies and the fucking Stallone films and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, picture, you know, Arnold and Stallone, like, in a film together doing all kinds of crazy shit. Um, And you got that with The Rock and Statham. But like I also said to to the, the King yesterday... The movie was too yeah. fucking long. Like, no action mm-hmm. film in that vein should be two hours and 15 fucking minutes long. Especially when no, it's a 80 to 90 minutes, man. Another 90 minutes. Yeah. 90 minutes tight. Yep. 90 100 minutes. tops, man. 100 minutes yeah. tops. And that's that. That should good. be a tight fucking film. There was so much they could have cut out of that. I don't fucking I need story right or any of that crap. I, 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 I could be in the, in the tremendous, uh, in, the, in the big minority. But I say this with pride. I would love if the upcoming Rambo Last Blood is like two hours and ten minutes. That it could be. is earned. It's earned. Yeah. Okay, you're talking true. about the last movie in a franchise that has spanned almost cool, thirty cool, well, almost forty years at this point. Um much different than the film that falls in as you Very know true. officially the, the ninth movie of a Fast and Furious franchise, but realistically is the first movie in a spin-off franchise off of the Fast and the Furious films. There's just no reason yeah, for it. Very no true. reason to be that long, man. It was like it was like you, you got to a point where you were like, yeah, no, you know, cut this, cut that. And a bunch of fucking scenes that could have totally been omitted from that movie, and would have made it so fast and so much more fun. Mhm. Yeah, like you said, it, it, it's earned. Like a Rocky film, like we talked about the Creed, and we talked about Creed Two. Those movies could be two hours and ten minutes, and I think that's fine because of the legacy that they've been built up to. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. But Hobbs and Shaw, 90 minutes tight, and maybe a post-credit sequence. But you said there was three. Like, that's there too was many. That's three like, post-credit sequences, yes. Yes. They don't need that many. So. One at best. You don't need three. Like three, I feel like, what are you doing? <laughs> the movie uh, needs you know end. what? Yeah, I mean, listen, two... You know what I mean? Like I can eat, like, and it's, you know, considering that all three of them really didn't even give you anything except for more jokes and gags that just mm. went towards the movie itself. Like I would have gotten it if you had two post-credit scenes, one which would have been like a jokey gag, and maybe the other one which either led towards the next Hobbs and Shaw movie. Or, even better, how about something that shows you that you're in the same fucking world as the Fast and the Furious, Phil? Because that's the other problem I had with this movie. This movie does not feel like it takes place in the same fucking world as the the Fast and the Furious films. This movie feels like it should be in line with fucking the James Bond movies. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, is that did they even make reference to the Fast and the Furious? Or was this like a complete standalone type of film where, yeah, nothing... I mean, you got Helen Mirren coming back. I mean, there's references towards them like, you know, I've saved the world four times, this and that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, there really weren't 
any other characters from the franchise coming in, and I'm fine with that. You want to make it separate. You want to make it its own thing. That's fine. But you still have to make it at least tangible in that world. You know what I mean? Like the the main villains in this film are like a specter-like organization that is like, you know, doing all kinds of like global catastrophic type level shit that I don't understand how like the Fast and the Furious films can exist in that (laughs) world and us not know that, you know, like especially considering that the Fast and the Furious films have gotten to the point where, you know, you've got, you know, Mr. Nobody, Kurt Russell coming in with his fucking CIA or Black Ops, whatever the fuck he is, man. Yeah, I remember those movies. He just comes out of nowhere. And I love Kurt Russell, but what the fuck is he doing? That's why he's called Mr. Nowhere. This used to be a car racing movie. He's a real (laughs) nowhere man. (laughs) Sitting in his nowhere land. (laughs) But yeah, you went to go see Hobbs and Shaw and Door to the Explorer and uh, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. I actually went to go see Child's Play on Saturday at the Cheap Theater um, because it's been re-released in the theaters. There's a theater near me that kind of takes movies that were in the theater at one time, gives you a cheap ticket. Um, so I went to go see it on Saturday. I had so much fun watching Child's Play. I was like, I can't wait to buy this when it comes out in DVD or Blu-ray. Like, it was so much fun. There was good violence. I loved the character. I was disappointed by Mark Hamill. I was so disappointed by how they used Mark Hamill in the movie because he cannot be like Brad Dorff in the Child's Play movies where he's a, a soul in the body of a doll, so he's basically just himself, so he can act really mean and evil and sadistic. Mark Hamill is the voice of an AI robot. So he has to constantly be just this AI robot voice. So even when he's using bad language, like at one point he goes, I'm going to kill this bitch. And, but he says it in such a robotic voice. It doesn't have any impact. It doesn't really land. But I walked out of the theater saying, if MGM and Orion released this movie, calling it anything other than child's play, did not call the robot Chucky. If they had gone in their own direction with this killer robot, the movie would have been so much better because I think that they tried to reboot Child's Play. That's why a lot of fans were like, fuck this movie. It's not Chucky. It's not Brad Dorff. I don't like it. The whole plot of the movie was amazing because now you have an IA robot that imprints upon you, but it learns from you. So if you're a kid that just likes good stuff, AI robot, yeah. But if you're a kid that just likes fun stuff and going out and playing games and watching good TV shows, that robot is going to learn from that and be your best friend forever. But if you're a fucked up kid that likes horror movies and likes to use bad language and hates people, it's going to learn from you, and it's going to turn violent. And that was what I thought was the best part of the movie. And like I said, I don't want to go into spoilers because there's a lot of them, but it is such a brilliant way to bring this character into the new generation. And I felt like it got a lot of unnecessary hate. Well, I think part of the problem that you run into, too, though, is that, one, the studio owns the licenses to that character and everything. So that's just yeah. sitting there. Now, they paid for it, but it's just mm-hmm. sitting there. So their, their, their idea is, hey, we can either keep creating sequels and go along the lines of what we've seen with, like, let's say the Puppet Master films and so forth, where you've got seven, yeah. eight, nine fucking Chucky movies that none of them line up anymore. <laughs> Nothing makes any sense anymore. Um, B, you could make this new film as its own intellectual property, its own thing, 
But yeah. then you're going to get the comparisons, and everybody's going to say, well, that's just like Child's Play. They just ripped off Child's mm-hmm. Play. It's, you know, it's the same yeah, movie. See, I mean, can't. why didn't they just call it a Child's Play movie? You can't with this reboot, though. And when well, I hope you guys do watch it, because I think you guys are really Oh, I intend like to see it. There is... There's no comparison. Like, it is such a really brilliantly uh, made movie where I never sat there going, well, this is just child's play all over again. They're just trying to recapitalize what they did in 1984. No, they were clearly doing their own thing and having a good time doing it. 88, I think. That's why – was it 88? I want to say 84. You're probably right. It's probably 88. Yeah. um, Child's play was 88. It was child's play first. It was definitely 88. Yeah. Um, but still, it was its own thing. That's what I liked about it. Okay, so there you go. But it was its own thing. Like I said, my biggest drawback was the Mark Hamill voice because Mark Hamill wasn't given a lot to do. So even when he becomes evil, he doesn't really go full Brad Dorf. Like I think about the scene with Catherine Wick where she's holding up a fireplace and she's like, speak to me. Tell me what's going on. You fucking bitch. You all fucking You fucking bitch. <laughs> Yeah, and going psycho. No, this robot is a robot, and it stays a robot. So it has to have the constant robotic voice. But the fact that it can control things because it's a part of the Kazlan Corporation network, that's where it gets interesting because it can control everything, including cars and other robots. So that's where it kind of gets interesting. So it's basically Skynet. It's like they took Child's Play, they took the movie AI, and they took Terminator and just put all three of them together. Very similar comparisons, yeah. I would say that. But they did it in their own way, which made it really fun. Like, at no point did I say, I want to go home and watch the original Child's Play again. Like, I was like, no, this is fun. I can't wait for it to come out in Blu-ray so I can buy it. I don't know if a lot of everybody is really that. Like, go back and watch the original <laughs> but, Child's Play. It's, you know, it's, it's all yeah. fucking fine and dandy until you realize that it's not fucking, you know, some fucking serial killer who somehow knew voodoo. And that was what they <laughs> yeah, did in fun. the 80s. Every, everybody he knew fucking voodoo, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that. But, again, like I said, it doesn't take I away from you. the original. <laughs> yeah. I beg of you. But, no. It doesn't take away from the original child's play. You can still go home and watch the Brad Dorf version and be fine. But I feel like it's good that they didn't try to copy the original too much. You know, they went in their own direction. You know, creating all these different toys. Like, they have, like, a little bear. One Direction. They have for the next lineup. And for the – they have a new line coming out called Buddy 2 in the movie where the doll is blonde. So this one guy goes, why the fuck do I have to have a ginger doll? He's like, fuck gingers. I want the blonde one. And they're like, well, you have the original lineup of buddies. They're all redheaded people. And he's like, well, I like the blondes. <laughs> Again, like I felt like if they had just changed up the character design and made him blonde or brown hair and changed the outfit, maybe call it something else, it probably would have done a lot better. But because, like the Gulet said, you have a property, Child's Play, you're going to keep it in that universe. And Pennywise is huge right now. And what does he have? He's got red hair. You know, yep. as much as, you know, people don't want to say that they're capitalizing on this or, or focusing on that, look at the amount of things that are coming out that have kids that are period pieces. It's So many things always connect to other things that are hot properties at, at the particular moment, you know. So I don't know. I, I think if they, they wanted to go full on something else, they really would have designed it completely different. 
you would have had an animal type of toy, not a humanistic type of toy. They do. There's yeah. so many so many different variations they could have went to really make this <clears throat> its own thing. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm not talking bad about it. Yeah. I didn't think bad yeah. things about the film when they announced it. Personally, I feel like Child's Play was – I thought it was going in the right direction with Curse. I felt like it mm-hmm. fell off the rails again with Cult. I did not like that one Cult as much as I enjoyed Curse. Yeah. Um, I really liked Curse. I did not like Cult. Um, yeah. So when they said reboot, I was all for it. It wasn't really against the whole idea. Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. I loved Curse because I felt like it was a return to what Chucky was. But yeah, Cult was a mess. Like They didn't really know what they were doing, I don't think. And it just it went off the rails in terms of, of the quality that was uh, Curse. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I mean, it comes out in Blu-ray and digital next month, I, I believe. Uh, so you can get it. <clears throat> you can get your digital copy, uh, I think, mid-September. So. Oh, okay, that long. I thought um, it was going to be by the end of August. But okay, oh, either way, man, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And Dark Phoenix, man. Boom, boom, boom. Ooh, like Godzilla oh, came out. Go. I've seen that. That was one that I needed to see, and I'm so pissed I didn't see that in fucking theaters. Speaking of theaters, though, and, you know, I mean, obviously we got the movie to talk about, but, you know, one thing that pissed me off, because I just saw the trailer for this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and then all this hubbub and all this other shit went on, and I know we kind of talked about it last week because they started pulling the trailers, but now they've completely pulled the movie The Hunt from even getting a theatrical release. Can you believe that? Wow. <laughs> That's some horse I knew it was shit, coming. <clears throat> I had a feeling it was coming, that they were going to end up pulling The Hunt altogether. After they pulled the trailers, I was like, well, next thing is the movie, because now there's more people talking about how they don't like it because of the content of the film. So I, I just think it, it's completely unnecessary. Release that movie. Let people go see it because now people are going to want to go see you the way. But, you know, they're going to want this, it. This, but, you know, this decision apparently was a groundswell from fucking our fucking president fucknuts' tweets. And, you know, you yep, talk about yep. content. It didn't – what's interesting is that his fucking bullshit had nothing to do with the fucking violence. No. You know, nope, it had all. to do with the fuck – like the fact of – you know, has you know, as you know, his people are portrayed, um, which was what his, uh, you know, stance was. Nothing to do with the fucking violence. And the fact that a fucking studio caved to this bullshit is fucking astounding to me. Truly, um, you know, it's not yeah. like oh, uh, the fucking trailer. Uh, for the nun is too scary, so we're not going to show it on YouTube. And you know we've argued right. about that. I'm not. I'm not trying to open that fucking door. But the fact that right now, uh, it's not just like pulled from like theatrical release. They've announced no plans for any release. So that doesn't mean that it's None. not going to hit streaming or VOD at some point in time. But as for now, like it's been pulled fucking completely, and uh, not for nothing. Like that's a movie. I, I, and you know this might be slumming for her, but like. Starring Hillary Swank, who's fucking won Academy yeah. Awards. Uh, so yeah. uh, very interesting uh, to see how this story unfolds. Um, and, you know, uh, not even that I was seeing trailers for this movie going, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this. Uh, but the fact that it was pulled, I'm curious to see uh, what happens. Uh, this might be something that two fucking weeks from now we have completely fucking forgotten about and don't really fucking care uh, we shall we'll, we'll be keeping you updated on any news we hear here on the Talking Terror program. 
but as of now, you know, it's a kind of interesting story and uh, continues to be another one of the many thousands of things going on that makes the time that we're living in right now a very interesting time. Yeah, again, like I remember watching the trailer, and you know, it really didn't come off as anything. The first thing I thought when I saw that trailer was, "Hey, this is just Hard Target all over again." You know, it's a movie that I've seen before. Um, It's 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 a premise that you know, if I haven't read about it in some other you know way, I've seen it in other films before, where you have the you know the the people that are are wealthy or whatever, and what do they want? They want human targets. They want the ultimate prey. You know, the prey that can think and fight back. Um, The most dangerous game. You know, so it's not like it's an original concept at all. That so, so, was, so yes, even when it, when it got done. brought up that they were dropping the trailer was like, what the fuck are you even like talking about? Like, I get it. Okay, look, something bad really happened. You know what? It was a terrible fucking thing. It really was. That was a fucking person that was completely out of their fucking mind who decided, hey, I'm going to take it amongst myself to go grab a fucking weapon because I'm a fucking jackass and go kill a bunch of people. Yeah. It shouldn't affect what a fucking movie and yes, released. Like you know, you want to delay it, delay it. Uh, like the king said, it is a riff on uh, the super old uh, surviving the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Not surviving the wait. Is that what the one the most dangerous game was called? The I'm most sorry, the most dangerous game. game. Uh, there was a a riff on that in 1994, uh, starring Ice T, uh, that was called Surviving the Game. Uh, that also, yeah. actually, speaking of our film tonight, uh, also starred Rucker Hauer, uh, as well mm-hmm. as and Ghoul, You shared an image of this somewhere. Also a riff. Uh, on Jean-Claude Van Damme's Hard Target, which I'm one of the 11 people to have seen in the movie theater. I still can't believe that, man. That's great. Yeah. And it's, I, it's think, a, I think, I think, I, saw it, it, I think I saw it with Stern. <laughs> the ultimate warrior <laughs> himself, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, yep. another riff on the whole hunting humans thing. You know, I, I really do hope that the hunt finds its way somewhere on a streaming service or release it onto a DVD platform because we just, we can't let people like this win who just bitch and whine and go, well, that's a movie that's horrible. We can't have it. It's like, you know, we can because it's imaginary violence. It's fictionalized violence. People aren't actually getting killed in this movie. They're still living. They're still alive. You know, we want to see it because we love this. It's an escape. So don't. Uh, There was one it's also yeah, about bringing up a, a topic, one. though, and bringing up a talking point, you know? It's about making you feel uncomfortable sometimes, though. And yep. that's what, like, a movie yep. should do, or a series, or a show should do. Like I said earlier about that Euphoria show. You know, there's, there's a lot of fucking things that happen on that show that make you very fucking uncomfortable. But, you know, as I'm watching it, and I'm realizing I'm feeling those feelings, and I'm getting those emotions, I'm saying to myself, holy shit, whoever it is that wrote this, whoever created this, the people that are performing in this they're tapping into something that can actually make and move me on an emotional level that's them doing what fucking in my opinion films and television shows are supposed to do it's not always just about entertainment sometimes it's about no you know making you fucking approach and see something from an angle maybe you didn't see it from the first time well if you want to see something from an angle that you haven't seen the first time uh there's another classic uh, that I truly love, uh, that is a riff on this Hunting Humans uh, Most Dangerous Game uh, theme from 1985. Uh, they pulled an Olympic gymnast to star in this one, uh, and it was called Jim Cotta. 
Um, I don't know uh, if yeah, you, you boys have yeah. seen Jim Cotta, uh, but that I also I is Jim fucking Cotta. classic. And there is another one, and um, and Ghoul, I know that uh, you have not seen this one unless you have watched it uh, since the last time we have talked about it. But there's another one. Uh, that has a riff on this same thing. Uh, it is another one from the mid-80s, 1986, uh, that is a personal favorite of its time. Uh, this one, uh, directed by Sam Furstenberg of uh, Ninja 3 The Domination and Break Into Electric Boogaloo fame, but this one is called Avenging Force, Avenging Force, uh, starring Mike Dudikoff and Steve James. Okay. That one doesn't tell me. Jim Cotta, I know for a fact that I've seen because I originally saw it thinking that it was a uh, – I saw it late night on Cinemax, and I was hoping with a name like Jim – I don't know, G-Y-M was in it. I was hoping it had gymnasts, and hence it was a Skinamax (laughs) porn movie, but instead it was not that. But seriously, uh, I know as a fact that Avenging Force Uncut Full is on YouTube – uh, it is from 1986. It's Michael Dudikoff and Steve James, and from its time period, it's a pretty fucking it's a pretty fucking cool action movie. And I, and Ghoul, I know that I've told you about it before, but if you guys get a chance to take a peek, it's pretty fucking cool. I might have to. I might actually have to. Michael Dudikoff, dude, it's the American Ninja, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Not. Um, but talking about uh, legends and films, Rucker Hauer is in the movie that we're going to be talking about tonight, The Hitcher from '86, directed yeah. by Eric Red. This is a demonic doctor's pick, so why don't you take us away? Uh, yeah, so I will take you away. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Rucker Hauer passed away, uh, you know, we had some off-the-air discussions about Rucker Hauer. Uh, we talked about him on the air as well. And uh, my first introduction to Rucker Hauer uh, was through this film, which I definitely watched on one of either HBO, Showtime, or Cinemax uh, when I was way too young to watch such fair. And we are talking about The Hitcher from 1986, starring C. Thomas Howell, Rucker Hauer, and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, this film was directed uh, by Robert Harmon, written by Eric Redd, and it stars Rutger Hauer as uh, the kind of, well, not until the end, but the, you know, nameless maniac uh, who is haunting and stalking C. Thomas Howell, who is just trying to deliver a car from Chicago to San Diego. Uh, I, uh, when, I when Rucker Hauer passed, uh, this is the first movie that came to mind uh, without any hesitation or debate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I saw this film released in 1986, uh, I probably saw it when it hit cable, 87, 88. I was 11 or 12, and this movie scared the living shit out of me. Uh, Rucker Hauer with a terrifying performance. Uh, I know, I'm sure, as we will discuss in some aspects, there are things here that don't hold up. But from its time, uh, it was certainly different than the typical slasher fair uh, and had a lot more going for it. So I'm looking forward to this discussion, and we have The Hitcher once again from 1986. All right. Ghoul, why don't you start off the discussion? What did you think about The Hitcher? Well, listen, this is the second time that I've knowingly watched this film. Um, as me and the doc have, have had this discussion many a time, you know, we watched this during one of our, our, our late night sessions at my old house, um, which typically involved many, many leafy substances and and a film, a couple beers. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of that film then. 
I uh, I still don't find it to be all that entertaining. I find the movie slogs in a lot of ways. Rucker Hauer is great. You know, I, I enjoy him when he's on screen. But everything else about this movie just reminds me that there are, are other films I'd rather be watching. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and for me with The Hitcher, I saw this maybe when I was, 17 I want to say so I was I was well into my horror film knowledge um, and I was actually over at my brother's house uh, when he had moved into his apartment and he actually had a copy of the Hitcher on VHS he had no recollection of ever renting it he didn't know why he had it but either way I wanted to watch it because I love the box art of just a rearview mirror of a guy's eyes and somebody hitchhiking I was like this is probably going to be good so I put it on and I watched it and I, I still love this movie today I loved it when I watched it back when I was 17 and revisiting it for the show. I mean, there are some points where it's like, all right, this is kind of slogging, like the Gula said. This is kind of, you know, wish they would cut it a little bit shorter. But at the same time, it's still an entertaining film. And I think that Rucker Howard, as John Ryder, carries a lot of it. Um, yeah, but what oh, I love about the movie is that, yeah, I'm sorry, Doc. No, I was going to say, he does carry a lot of it, but I think that. Uh, I'm curious as we get further into the film to talk about when you feel that it slogs, because I feel the film kind of wastes no time in getting started and, and introducing our players and kind of yeah, moves, thing, moves yeah. things along, uh, you know, at a pretty decent uh, clip. Uh, yes, like many films from its time, there might be some slow moments, uh, but I, I don't know that I would say, and in, in watching this now even, that I feel like it's a slog. So I'm curious to to learn about what points, uh, you know, those feelings arose. But, you know, I'm and sure as we a, move through the film, yeah. we'll talk about that. And it's definitely not a total slog. I don't want to say it was a total slog of a movie because it does move at a quick pace. Um, there are just some brief moments where I'm like, it could have been a little bit tighter. Uh, but otherwise, I really love this movie because, like you just said, Doc, this movie drops you right into the action. It doesn't take any time. It's not like, oh, we're going to follow Jim Halsey as he gets the car, as he gets in, as he's driving. And then eventually we're going to see uh, John Ryder on the highway. No, they introduce it almost right away. He's driving along this stretch of desert, and there's John Ryder waiting to get a ride. And he picks him up almost immediately and saying, hey, you know, my mom never said I should do this, but get in. You know, kind of an innocent kind of thing. And it, it was a great kind of introduction to both these characters where you don't know where it's going to go. Jim's completely innocent and you don't really know what John Ryder is going to say or do, but he just has this presence when he's in that car. Uh, there's and, something not right about this guy. Yeah. And also, you know, as a kid, uh, I was a fan. I was already a fan of C Thomas Howell, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and at this age of watching movies, like, it's not like, oh, here's C. Thomas Howell in another role. It's like, there he is on screen. It's not like analyzing, oh, his performance. It's He is that character, and he has been yeah. in other movies that I really, really love. And there are two specifically. Uh, one of those movies is from the earlier 80s, and it's called Tank. Uh, it okay. stars him and James Garner. Uh, his dad is going to retire from the military, and... Uh, you know, something happens where uh, his father is going to be kind of uh, stripped of his, like, retirement military pension. C. Thomas Howell is his son, and, uh, you know, they get a tank. So I don't remember the details, but it made sense in the movie. But they get a tank, 
and essentially like take off a, like I don't know like across the fucking city in this fucking tank. Uh, you know, and the mili- you know, everyone's trying to stop them, and it's like for veterans' rights and et cetera. Uh, but you know, uh, it's like one of those like only can happen in the '80s type of movies. And in addition to that, before I saw The Hitcher, uh, another movie in which I mean, this is one of the most uh, humongous movies in the history of my movie watching life was in Red Dawn. Uh, so oh, yeah. I had rooting interest in C. Thomas Howell when seeing this as a little kid, even if I didn't know his name at the time was even C. Thomas Howell. Like I saw that face. I was like, oh, him. You know, yeah, there's movies that I love that he's in. And then Rucker Howard I had never seen before, and he scared the living shit out of me. Yeah, he really was great uh, in his opening introduction with him and Jim in the car. Um, when Jim in the car is starting to realize that you this guy laugh. might be a little crazy. Hugh <laughs> Thomas yeah. Howell, right? All right, so again, because I, the first time I saw this was with you, Doc. Uh, Doc. Um, yes. You know, one of the things, like I've said about a lot of films from this time period, had I seen this movie when I was of age, you know, let's say anywhere between the ages of eight and 14, I probably would have really enjoyed this. And like you would have seen C. Thomas Howell and been like, oh, hey, you know, there's the guy from The Outsiders, you know, where he plays Pony Boy. Because that that was my introduction to C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, I don't think I had seen The Outsiders yet, to be honest. I had I hadn't okay. seen Red Dawn until like I don't know I want to say like 1993 94 somewhere in oh, that wow. Red Dawn later wow. that yeah I know um, well you Did know I, you know what I I, I'm pretty I, cool I'm I, no I'm pretty sure that like I, I very well might have showed you Red Dawn for the first time no. No, 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 no. Because I remember I saw half of Red Dawn one time going to, like, my Uncle Joe's house. My cousins were watching it. And I remember watching, like, the the last half of the film um, up until, you know, the ending of it. So it wasn't until, like, somewhere in, like, the early 90s that I watched the first half of it and, you know, seen, seen it in its whole thing. But the other movie that I know that I don't see Thomas Howell from before anything else, and, again, I've seen, obviously, other things with him since – was Side Out, which was like a beach volleyball I movie that, that was movie. on like, dude, dude it was dude, on dude, heavy I, fucking I rotation throughout cable back in like 1990, 1991, dude. Are you ready? Uh-huh. I promise you, I promise you, I am looking at zero information right now. C. Thomas Howell's character's name in Side Out was Monroe Clark. Yes. Yeah, it was definitely Monroe, and yes, it was Monroe Clark. I'm looking at the Wikipedia for it. But, uh, I am not looking at the Wikipedia for it, but I fucking know that. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. I don't know what that says about me, you but I fucking movie. know that. Dude, I just remember, like, you know, like, it was, there was something just so cheesily entertaining about that movie. And then it had Courtney Thorne Smith in it, who was just so hot during that time period. But the other thing I really remember about it, and it's funny because the other friend that I used to talk to about this movie, you probably know him. He didn't live too far from you. was uh, Netter. Do you remember Netter Darwish? Yeah. Yes, of course. Okay. So the one thing we'd always fucking laugh about, and I'm talking like the kind of laughs that you have when you're, you know, 12, 13 years old, the kind of laughs that you're fucking rolling around the floor, you got tears coming from your eyes, you can't breathe because you're laughing. Because at the end of that movie, when they win the tournament, the fucking camera is going through all these like slow motion, like slow motion shots. And there's one shot of Courtney Thorne Smith where she's going, yeah. 
and it's like fucking like the the noise that's coming out of her mouth was like it was just like this ridiculous sound that you could easily emulate when you were like a prepubescent fucking teenage boy, which just made it fucking hysterical. Like I remember looking at Netter in like height in the in middle school, and we'd be in the same class, and like he would mouth it or I would say it in class, and that was it. We'd be fucking dying at our desks. Dude, that um, I I. Just uh, you know, we don't need to talk about this. I'm just, I just want to say, uh, never mind. Cool, I'll message you off the air. But continue, please. But yeah, I wanted to get into Jim and John in the car when he's realizing that this guy might be a little bit crazy, and he's telling, you know, he's saying, "What do you want?" Because they just passed a car on the highway, and he goes, "Well, that might have been your car." And he goes, "No, not my car," you know, and he starts laughing, and he's just having it up. And Jim starts laughing really nervously, and he goes, well, why are we laughing? He's like, well, that's because that's what that guy said right before I cut off his arms and his legs and his head because that's what I'm going to do to you. And you're like, oh, fuck, this guy is fucking deranged. How do you get out of this situation? You're stuck in a car with him, and you're having to drive. <clears throat> so when they get to the, the road uh, crew, and the guy's leaning into the window going, oh, you're from Illinois. What part? He's like, oh, you know, can't answer because John's got the knife on him. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'm from right fucking Chicago, you know, and he starts to Move crush. along, sweetheart. Yeah, I love the fact that he blew a kiss at the guy. <laughs> you know, you just, you know, like blew the kiss at the guy. And he's like, all right, move along, sweetheart. You know, get out of here. And they start driving, but it leads to Jim realizing that he's not seat buckled in, so he's going to kick the fuck out of this guy out of his car and drive. I love the shot of Ryder after he gets kicked out of the car because it's him laying on the ground, but then it does an upshot looking up at him. I don't know. It's just one of my favorite shots in the movie, just seeing this guy in the middle of the road on this long stretch of desert highway. And it just worked to see this fucking crazy motherfucker that you're going to be following throughout this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, man. I, I watch this on YouTube, and like I said, I, for me, this movie doesn't doesn't kick into anything entertaining until it really gets close to the end. So, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, is Howard is Howard menacing? Yes, I guess he could be considered menacing. But consider, considering all you're really getting out of him at this point are just looks, vacant fucking yeah. stares, and. You know, I don't know, a, a couple of words here and there. Everything is relying on Howell in this role. And I just can't, well, well, I can't yeah. feel like it's he's also, doing anything. It's also the, just the, the specter of Howard because yeah. somehow yep. he's always there. You know, yeah. he gets to that abandoned garage and he's trying to make a phone call. And he turns around he's like and he's there. And, you know, he's there. He can just fucking kill uh, Jim Halsey. But he just drops the <laughs> fucking keys and walks away, yeah. uh, you yep. know, and leads to the fucking gas station explosion. Uh, uh, he's well, driving down I the felt... road, and, and go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is I that was, just... was the thing, you know, and I didn't remember it. I couldn't remember the end of this because when, you know, we saw it, we said we were fucking probably high as stone as hell, you know. Um, but regardless, you know, like I'm sitting there thinking to myself because there was one particular moment where, where Jim – asks him, like, who are you? And he says something along the lines of, like, you know, you know, or, you know, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna know. It's no, you're, you're smart. You'll figure it out. 
that's it, you know, and what I was thinking at that point is, you know, was there ever a variation of this script in which he was the Grim Reaper and that Jim fell asleep behind the wheel of the car and actually died in a car accident? There was another point where I was sitting here watching this movie thinking to myself, did that car go off and is this guy a ghost whose family died in the car accident you know what I mean there was like a a whole number of things that were like just running through my head that I felt like could have been going on now I know part of that comes from the Twilight Zone story um the the hitchhiker but at the same time too it's like that's where I was thinking they were going with it so the fact that like you know in the end he just keeps ending up being this guy who just magically appears all the fucking time, creating all of this destruction and all of this this devastation, and yet somehow it's all getting like heaped upon this this fucking eighteen year old kid. Yeah, because they had the one scene of him on the highway when he's driving, and you see the the station wagon in front of him, and you see the little girl in the back, and she's you know waving up her little doll, and she's like, "Hey, we're shooting at you," and he's kind of doing the same thing with his fingers, and then all of a sudden John Ryder pops up. <laughs> he's doing the same thing. With the teddy bear. Where he's like, shoot that him. That made me laugh. Shoot him. Yeah, and I love how he's telling the girl to shoot him. He's like, shoot him, shoot him, and he's kissing her head. And you have Jim going, get the fuck out of there, man. Like, he's crazy. Like, you know, get out. He's fucking nuts. Like, pull over. But the bus sideswipes the car, you know, which leads to the discovery of the station wagon on the side of the road. Now, in the script, uh, it was a lot more graphic. Like, they were going to show you everybody in the car completely dismembered by John Ryder. They couldn't do that because they felt like it would just be too much. So they basically just had the shot of him looking in going, Oh my God, there's blood and then puking outside of his car. So I'm fine with that. Like I didn't mind that. Like I don't need to see what John Ryder did. I think it's better to not show what he did to to imagine what he did to this family in the station wagon. Well, you know, we get to more of what, Riders capable of after uh, Jim is arrested and they're unable to contact anyone to verify even who he is. Uh, and he goes to sleep in the cell, has some nightmares, and then wakes up to like complete carnage in the police station. Yeah. Yeah. He's like Michael Myers, John Ryder. Like he can show up anywhere and just completely create destruction wherever he goes. Just completely eliminate anybody because he wants. Jim Halsey to kill him because he feels like Jim Halsey's up to the task. He feels like if anybody's going to end me, it's going to be Jim Halsey because Jim Halsey's going to kick me out of that car. Nobody else had that. Nobody else had the courage to do that. So that's why this is my target now. Um, And it ends up leading to Roy's gas station with Jennifer Jason Lee playing Nash, who for some reason decides to make him a uh, cheeseburger with fries. I'm like, yeah, white material right there. Doesn't even need it, but he's going to have it. When <laughs> this one, when he's eating that cheeseburger and fries, and he picks oh, up yeah. that fucking finger, that <laughs> fucking shit scared the fucking shit out of me when I was a fucking kid. I can't even fucking. <laughs> I jumped so fucking hard. <laughs> like I have such a visual yeah. memory of that. Scared the shit yeah. out of me. Yeah, and originally it was supposed to be an eyeball in the burger. It wasn't supposed to be a finger. It was going to be an eyeball in the cheeseburger because of what Ryder said to him earlier in the film about have you ever seen an eyeball just explode after it's been stabbed. So originally it was going to be an eyeball, and they figured that would be too violent, so they made it a finger 
I felt like the finger was better. <laughs> I feel like having it be a steak fry, like that's amazing. And this leads him to be puking yeah, well, outside of the diner. Eyeballs aren't finger food, you know? No, they're not. And that's why I love the finger even more. Because it leads to him being picked up and having the knife in his jacket that belonged to Ryder. And they think that he's the one that's been killing all these people. You know, I just I love these Texas cops in this movie because they, they, they keep just getting killed by Ryder. But I'm like, this is Texas. They would have shot first. <laughs> they wouldn't have asked questions. Well, well, that's I'm the thing, you know. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I was happy with this scene because it fucking introduced Jennifer Jason Lee, who I just always enjoy looking at in the 80s, man. Because she, also, uh, uh, whatever, man. She's just easy on the eyes. She's cute, and she always reminds me of Battletoads, so it all works. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, So anyway, uh, you know, the Texas cops in the first ones that we meet, like when they show up, are pretty fucking. That's what the children say. Uh, he's they're they're pretty fucking intense. And I remember well, well, I remember well watching this. <laughs> I remember watching this, you know, when I was a kid, and even in a way, kind of being afraid of the cops by how intense they were. Now, when they yeah. take them in, and we talked about the police station master a minute ago, but when they take him into the police station and they're questioning him. You know, you do get that moment when the, you know, the cop is like, oh, this kid is no fucking killer. Um, <laughs> yep. You know, and then uh, when he is trying to, when we fast forward a bit and he's in the payphone and those other cops show up and they seem to just be on a routine patrol and he comes running out of the fucking phone booth, guns ablazing, and, you know, gets those cops into the car and goes on the road and, oh, uh, yep. You know he's gonna surrender. You know he 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 has the conversation with the sergeant and says, Just you know I'm 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 putting I'm putting my trust in you. Uh, and then uh, Ryder shows up and shoots. You know blows these fucking cops <laughs> away. And uh, you know and and the the cat and mouse game continues. I loved it when he shot those two cops in the car because you don't think he's gonna be coming for him, but when he shoots those two cops and then you have Jim screaming. As the car's going out of control, it's like, this guy's never going to let up. He's not letting Jim go. You know, it doesn't matter. Wherever you go, Jim, he's going to be two steps behind you. Like, I just, I love Ryder because, like we said, he's like a specter. Like the ghoul had said, he's almost like a specter in a way because he's always around. Like, he's never far away. Like, you can never get away from him because he's always around. Um, Yeah, when he kills those two cops and it leads to Jim running across the desert back to Roy's diner. I felt like this is one of the best scenes in the movie is with him sitting in the booth, waiting for his coffee and John Ryder shows back up and Jim has the revolver and he's like, I'm going to fucking blow you in half, man. Just make me fucking do it. And he's like, the gun's empty. He's like, really? He goes, yeah, yeah. Like, and just the faces that he makes at him. Like he's just, he knows his gun is empty. And then he makes a finger gun underneath the table, and he's like, well, I got a gun, too, pointed right at you. And as soon as he bangs the table, Jim just unloads the gun on him, but it's empty. He just keeps clicking that trigger over and over again. And that's what the ghoul had said when he says, why are you doing this? He's like, you're a smart man. You'll figure it out. So then he puts the pennies on his eyes, like he's going to go across Which the river again- six. Which is, again, what made me think that this guy is the specter of death. He's, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just here to shepherd you from one side to the other, and you just haven't realized it yet. Because he fucking disappears, too. <laughs> He's gone mm-hmm. after that. Like, he leaves the diner, and there's no sign of Ryder after that. 
Uh, he's just completely gone, and that's what leads him to run after the bus. And he has the bullets because John left him the bullets. John wants him to kill him. Like, he gives him the material. He's like, here's the bullets, man. Like, here's the bullets for that gun. Come find me. And we can end this. So it's John having this death wish, but I just loved it. Because like, you could do this. You can end this right now. All you have to do is kill me. Mm-hmm. Kill me. Ah. Um. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, like I said, though, for me, this is trucking uh, along, you know, so to speak. Well, it did lag. Like I said, this is one of those moments where I'm like, it could have been a little bit tighter, you know, with the whole bus sequence and him finding Natch on the bus and pushing her into the bathroom and saying, it's not me. I'm not doing any of this. I'm not killing anybody. Just kind of go along with me on this one. Trust me. John Ryder's the one that's been doing this. And she's like, okay. <laughs> you know, just. Got the gun out of my face. Mm. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know about it needing to be tighter. I mean, you know, listen, the movie, it's not like it's a long movie. It, uh, I don't feel like, I, I, for, see, for me, I don't feel like there's any particular parts that go slow. I feel like the movie as a whole is kind of slow. It's it's only like 97 okay. minutes. So, I mean, you, you, yeah, you got to figure it's like 90, 92, 93, you know, and then you got credits. Yeah. Um, so, it's just, uh, again, it's you know what it is? These kind of films have never interested me in general. Anything to do with, like, you know, road the movies. whole the, the whole vehicular road-style yeah. film. Yeah. You know, aside from Highway to Hell, it's about I think it's about the only one that's ever really like helped with my CJ Graham? Highway to Hell? Which dude, yeah. Oh my man, god. Christie's that fucking movie rules, dude. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love Which Highway I've... to Hell. Uh-huh. That's a that's a killer little oh film, god. man. Yeah. I'm just surprised somebody knows about it. I feel like I'm the only person who knows about Highway to Hell. So the fact that somebody else knows, that's awesome. Um, but the problem I had with the, with the car chase sequence with uh, Nash and uh, Halsey is the fact that John Ryder is in the pickup truck, and he's following along with them. He managed to shoot a fucking helicopter out of the sky with a handgun. With a handgun. <laughs> okay. Like, that. okay, maybe, but no. I was like, no, he managed to shoot this fucking helicopter out of the sky. I loved it, but at the same time, I'm like, that probably couldn't happen. Listen, you know, again, though, what, what I'll give him during this sequence is, you know, again, this is the mid-80s, so we know that it wasn't CGI, we know that it wasn't fake, you know, they were using some real helicopter shots and some real helicopter pilots and, you know, really good stunt drivers and things like that. So yeah. at least that was entertaining. I love the fact that you got this, they, they keep cutting to the scenes of the, the guy with the, the rifle hanging outside mm-hmm. of the helicopter to shoot him, but anytime the yep. camera moved back and you could see the helicopter, you could clearly see there was nobody there, um, nor was there even a door that was open or a window or anything. Um, you know, just the entertaining little flubs that there was no way to cover that up, and that's fine, man, because, again, no. every time they were cutting to those camera shots inside the copter, you know, there, you know, somebody was really flying a fucking helicopter around, man, which is it's the fun of movie-making. And to give it to Rucker Howard's credit, he did almost all the driving sequences where he was required to be in the car, or the pickup truck, I should say. Like, he actually impressed, like, the stunt drivers on set, that he could do it, because he wanted to. So, 
almost all the sequences where you see John Ryder driving in that pickup truck, that's him. That's on a stunt drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was ready for he, it, and he did it. And you could tell. It's so good when you see him actually in the truck. You're like, that's actually him and not a stunt guy wearing a gray wig and trying to be John Ryder. Um, but I wanted to get to the scene in the hotel uh, where they finally stop for the night, Jim and Nash. Uh, well, this goes this comes particular. right on the heels. Yes, absolutely, and yeah. I, I have plenty to talk about this. So, uh, you know, this comes right on the heels of the helicopter chase. They abandon the stolen patrol car, and they go to a motel. Um, you think maybe they've found some safety uh, or a moment to kind of collectively catch their breath from everything that has happened. Uh, you know, Nash had recently, you know, thrown herself uh, into this situation yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and his, you know, in the eyes of the law, maybe an accomplice, um, but also m- believes Jim Halsey that he is not, uh, you know, not the man they're looking for. So anyway, uh, Halsey goes into the shower uh, and in this time, uh, Ryder is able to abduct Nash and uh, ties her uh, between the two, the two big rigs and uh, calls. Um, Halsey into the cab. Um, yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk about with you, Doc, is because yeah, no, you have this a scene is of, of him taking the shower. Is... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, him in the hotel room watching Nash sleep, and he's standing in the background in the darkness, and then he climbs into bed with her, and he's just kind of staring at the ceiling, and then he puts his arm around her. So she would think that it's actually Halsey, but it's him. And when she realizes it, he puts his hand over her mouth, and then you're cutting right to the rigs. So it's like almost within minutes of him taking her out of the hotel, he's rigged her up, and he's ready to get this confrontation with Jim. I thought, man, this guy, he, he not only can be fucked with, but he's fast. <laughs> well, there was almost you know no what? time. To me, it felt almost like a television cut. You know what I mean? Like, as if you were making some kind of TV series, him grabbing her by the mouth would have been where they cut to commercial, and then coming back from commercial, you know, the damsel in distress is now tied to the trucks. Now, did you guys recognize Captain Estheridge? Yeah, it's Jeffrey DeMunn from The Walking Dead. Dale. From The Walking Dead, that's Dale You know, I'm looking at this guy's face the entire time And it was one of those where I'm looking at the actor going Man, who the hell is this guy? I know this guy's <laughs> face I can't figure out who the hell yeah. he is I was thinking he was the dad from 90210 And then I look him up and I'm like, mm. get the fuck out of here It's Dale, you know like him, A I very, very young, young Dale here. I'm seeing <laughs> yeah. him young, exactly You know, like I picture Dale, I'm always thinking of the old man You know, I, I always love when I catch yep. actors That I didn't know who they were When they were younger actors, you know Oh yeah, I mean Jeffrey yeah. DeMond's been in a ton of things He was in a movie called Christmas Evil mm-hmm. uh, That came out back in the 80s about a killer Santa Claus He was also in a movie called The Haunted uh, With Sally Kirkland, which was based on Lorraine Ed Warren's Case Files uh, That's free on YouTube A very young Jeffrey DeMond So it's always weird to see a young Jeffrey DeMond uh, and then <laughs> see him now as Dale with the beard and the old man face. Uh, but yeah, when he has Nash rigged up to these rigs, you have Esseridge going, well, you have to talk him down. Like you have to go in there and we have to get her out. So you have to talk her down. And this is what always bothered me about this sequence is because you have Jim going into the cab, talking to Ryder 
at no point do the cops move to go over to cut the ropes that are tied to her to the rigs. They have time because Ryder is talking to Jim. Mm-hmm. Okay. I felt like they had time. Like they could have cut her down in this time of him talking to Ryder. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. What I'm saying is, is that's common sense. And again, we're talking about a movie in which a guy pops up like a fucking specter of doom. Like he's some kind of supernatural, (laughs) super fucking villain from a a slasher film. And I mean, maybe that is really what it comes down to is ultimately this movie was trying to marry two different popular genres that were going on at the time. You know, you had road movies. You know, which had come in from like the late 70s and going into the 80s. And you had slasher films, which were, you know, a, a big thing throughout the, the late 70s and the early 80s. So you take those two things, you mash them together, and, you know, you, you had to go one way or the other with it. And this one decided to skew more towards the road movie than it did the slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Doc. All right, so... You know, we're, you're talking about cutting the ropes, and again, this is just throwing ideas at the wall right now, but, uh, you know, those right. big rigs, uh, you know, do have humongous fucking side mirrors, uh, and maybe they're worried that he might see them, maybe. but that's neither, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, that stands out to me, and, you know, watching the sequence now is a different situation, but I'm going on a long, a long history with this film. Um, the tension that I thought was created that I felt watching this as a kid was like, you're clawing from the fucking ceiling, especially because I feel that, and this part I still did feel about that sonically they did a great job with the sound of like the truck engines and the air brakes and the the herky jerkiness of the truck. And like, are, are we going to, are they going to really dispatch this important character in such gruesome fashion? Uh, You know, until the moment that finally comes and, uh, you know, obviously they don't show the results of this move, but like at this time for me watching this as a kid, and I did watch this movie again now, uh, but watching it when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> with all whatever, whatever horror stuff that I had witnessed, uh, this was much different than like masked man with a knife or yeah. masked yep. man with a machete uh, this was a different kind of experience, even though you didn't see anything. And it was really fucking scary. Um, you know, yeah. watch, you know, watching it now, I'm like, oh, why didn't they show her get ripped apart? They chickened out, whatever. But, um, <laughs> God you know, damn it, I wanted to see her for, legs get pulled off, man. Split her like a terrifier. For its time, for its time, when the fucking engine or the brake gets released and then it goes to the, the, the cut to black. Like I couldn't, I was in shock that they had done this to her. Uh, you know, yeah. obviously not, uh, not feeling the same way, not feeling the same way now, uh, but certainly feeling the same way then. Um, you know, well, I'll tell you what, because you know, again, for me, this is where this film picks up, you know? So from the moment that she's tied up to the trucks, 
up until the very end of this movie, I'm fully invested now. You know what I mean? At this point now, you've got my full attention, especially because now that I've seen this film two times, both times I've seen it, it still shocks the shit out of me that they actually kill her. You know, when they cut away, I actually, you know, I, I had every single fucking thought in my head, oh, okay, but they cut her free. And she's going to be sitting in the police station. So when they start talking about fucking, you know, hey, son, I'm really sorry that that happened. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) They killed Jennifer Jason Lee. They fucking killed Nash. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, they ended her. Um, And the remake that was done in 2007, if you actually want to see it done, they do do that. And they do show you. Yeah, I did read. I didn't yeah. see the remake, but I did read that they do that they do show that they do show this in the in the remake. But you know, it's I think Jim Halsey that, though in the remake. Oh, uh, okay. I I was not aware of that. Again, I, I'm not going to watch the remake ever. So whatever. Um, no, uh, right, Sean yet, Bean. Definitely. Right, Sean Sean Bean is. Yeah, Sean right? Bean, Bean was the John Ryder character. Um, he dies in everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now. Um, I, you know, when I think about it and, you know, maybe uh, maybe this is a common opinion, maybe it's a minority opinion, but, you know, I view Nash's death as like an iconic death in the grand scheme of all the deaths in kind of 80s horror. Um, At least for me, uh, the memory of it and the impact that it had that stands out for me, um, you know, makes me feel that way. And it's also a turning point. Uh, you know, in the character of Jim Ramsey, and because I feel Halsey. like after Nash's death, Halsey. Um, I'm sorry, what did I say? Ramsey, uh, Halsey. Yeah. Uh, I feel that so on, no. I have three glasses of wine. Um, so <laughs> I was, I, I, I was playing. Whistle? My heart will go on for you. You know, for, uh, uh, for Nash's death since, since it was so fucking iconic. You know, but, no, not that. Not, and I don't mean the fact that Nash died. I mean the fact, the fact, the 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 way that it was done. You know, the, oh, the, yeah. the method iconic of death, death more than the you, death itself. Your, your exact words um, were it was an iconic death of the '80s. That means it deeply affected you. It has shaped you did. into the person that you are today. So in some ways, back it has. In, the, in the in the mid '80s, young young doctor is sitting there watching that very fucking scene right now and his dick is a little bit hard because he's not exactly sure if he likes watching Nash tied up or if he really likes the fact that she got pulled into two pieces. Mm, it's a conflict. I mean, that's, a, that's, 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 that's one take. Um, but anyway, uh, at this moment uh, of this murder, this is where, you know, this is where, you know, the, the big, I feel like the switch is pulled in uh, Jim Halsey's character and he realizes that he is not going to be able to rely on the police. Uh, the police nope. are not going to be able to help him. Uh, they're not going to be able to save him. Uh, and he realizes that this is the time for him uh, to become a killer himself. Yeah, absolutely yeah. is that turn. Uh, going into John Ryder being investigated by the police and he's not answering any of their questions. He's not telling them who he is. They don't have any fingerprints. They don't have any criminal records. They don't know what his real name is. They just want to find out who he is, and you have Jim confronting him in the interrogation room where he gives his hand to John Ryder and then ends up spitting on him. But what I noticed in that scene is that John Ryder has two wedding rings on his wedding ring finger, so it's kind of like is this trophies from his previous kills? 
And that's what I think. That's how I took it. Him collecting things. Yeah. I like the fact that that he he did it from the guy that he cut into pieces, and then he took it from the family that he, you know, that he killed in the uh, station wagon. Yeah. But it leads to Ryder being escorted into the prison uh, bus to be taken away to the state prison. You have Esseridge and Halsey following behind. And that's when, like Doc had said, this is the turn for uh, for Halsey, where he realizes I have no choice. I have to fucking end this. I have to kill him because he's going to keep coming and he's going to keep doing what he has to do. And then you have the juxtaposition of Ryder in the prison bus jumping up and shooting everybody in the van, Michael Myers style. Like he is going off like the specter, being able to grab the shotgun and kill everybody in that prison bus. It's, it's amazing to see because, again, like the uh, ghoul had said, it's like he's not a real person. It's like he's a, a, just the embodiment of evil. Like he could do whatever he wants. Black eyes. Doll's eyes. The devil's ass. <laughs> but that that sequence of when Halsey takes the gun from Estridge, drops him off, and then goes after Ryder. Melissa? The <laughs> no, yeah, no. Oh, Estridge, um, not Etheridge. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, an Estridge. Um but the whole thing of Ryder kicking open the Come back door of the bus with the shotgun. The fact that Ryder goes through the windshield of the car it was such a great effect. <laughs> Seeing that stunt, yeah. you know, done. Uh-huh. That was one of my favorite I mean, look, stunts of the movie. Seeing him go through that. Was it? Was it a cool stunt? Yes. Is it? Again, yes. This is a film that had a bunch of ridiculous things occur. Um, but I don't know. I guess for me. This is as bad as Fonzie jumping the shark. Like, I'm sorry, man, but the guy just did a face-first fucking plant hey. into the windshield of a fucking truck, man. You know, that's not, hey, you're breaking through the fucking glass like it's like the, the yeah. front bay window of my house. That's a thick-ass windshield of a vehicle, man. It, it takes a, a hell of a lot vehicle. more than that to, to shatter that thing. Um, yeah, he would be so much splat and blood and gore. Um, so, so yes, the fact that he just like lands inside of the car and is like, "Hey, what's up?" Like fucking cool, man. Do the fucking through <laughs> yeah. the wall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the fact that he gets into that car after the crash, and he goes, "Hey, kid." It's like, man, this guy can get fucked up. <laughs> you know, he's gonna keep coming after him. How about that handy, Jim? Yeah. But yeah, then when he hearts. stops, yeah. And then he's the fact that he, he pushes him back out of the car when he steps on the brakes. And you think that he's fucking dead because there's no way he could have survived getting hit by the police vehicle. And he's running there prone. The so you think and he this died is where fucking launches him? And this is where the, in the original script they had Jim Halsey walk up to the prone body of John Ryder, pump the shotgun, and blow him away as the body's laying there. And they said, eh, no, we don't like it because we don't think that the character should be that sadistic. Let's have the one last scare, as we know of, with Ryder getting back up, standing up, brushing himself off and going, hey, I'm still here, motherfucker. What are you going to do? And that's when Jim Halsey unloads on him with the shotgun. Which is a great shot because you see that bullet go right through his chest. Great squib effect. 
and mm-hmm. he just keeps unloading on them until he falls over that little hill in the desert. Which, yeah, is, is interesting because, like, I don't know. Uh, the, the the scenery was was fascinating at times. You could tell that they like filmed certain things at different different places, um, and there were definitely I points where you just oh, yeah. absolutely knew that it was just a soundstage um, mm-hmm. and, and nothing more. But again, it's a, it's an effective sequence. Like you said, the script shot was fantastic. I'm just glad the movie's over. I'm just definitely yeah, glad, but it was also you know, the like fact said, that writer still wanted him to kill him. Like, before he hit him with the police cruiser, he wanted him to kill him. Like, it wasn't like he was trying to escape. It wasn't like he was trying to hide from him. He wanted him to do it, which added that extra element where it's not like Ryder was injured and going, oh, fuck, I got to hide from this guy because he's going to kill me now. He's like, no, bring it, bitch. What do you got? (laughs) Well, I I I think it's also evidence throughout, too, though, that, you know, there were multiple points in this movie that he could have killed Jim, and he doesn't. Yeah, yep. You know, e- even when he's got him, you know, dead to rights, he doesn't kill him. It's like, you know, the whole entire mission of this character throughout this movie is to have this young kid kill him. Now, whether or not, like, I don't know, you know, there, there, my, my brain still does some weird trippy shit that it used to do, and I'm sure if I ever saw this movie while on LSD, I would come up with all these different connections in which I'd be like, well, this is like an evolutionary thing, and he's just trying to formulate this kid into the next version of him, and this and that, and like, you know, I figure by the end when he actually murders him, that this kid's just going to start going off, and this is going to be his own little person. Like, and that's where I really started going again, where I'm like, you know what, maybe this whole thing is just Jim Halsey's personal hell, and essentially what's going to happen is, is he's going to kill Ryder, and this movie's going to end, and he's going to be walking down the street, and he's going to be looking to hitch a ride, and he's going to become the next guy that is the, the murderer, and it's going to be a cycle that's just going to continuously go on for, you know, again, people that accidentally fall asleep behind the wheel while they're driving, and they're not safe, you know? That would have been an interesting term, but I don't think it would have been good for the character of Jim Halsey. Like, I, I still think at the end of the day, he's a good character. Like, I still feel like he is the hero of the film. He's finally giving uh, John Ryder what he wants, which is death. And that's why he gives it to him. And that's why you end it the way that you do with him killing Ryder and then lighting up a cigarette and going, well, that's it. (laughs) You know, kind of, it's fine the way that they ended it because he's basically just going to have to wait for the police to come and, and vindicate him is not the killer. Even though he just ended somebody. (laughs) You know, it's, Eh, well, we'll let you off. He was trying to kill you, too. Mm. Mm. Again, like I said, for me, I'm uh, I'm just happy the movie's over. Um, but Well, it's not really that, over because I... we get the sequel. Oh, no. In 2003, yeah, well, that, The Hitcher 2, that I've is... been waiting with Jake Busey. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking horrible. Like, I've seen The Hitcher 2. I've been waiting. It does have to see Thomas Howell coming back. But it also has Gar- uh, Jake Busey playing the killer this time, and it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, it's I think of Jake Busey, good. and you know, obviously, you know, the the first thing that comes to mind is Starship Troopers. 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Automatically know that he's Gary Busey's kid because he looks just like his dad. He's just taller and a little skinnier. But then the other thing that always comes into my mind when I think of Jake Busey, I think of the Stone Age because he's the fucking Palace mm-hmm. Verde's Queeby, man. He's the guy that's Muldoon. He's running the fight. He's having the party. He's Muldoon, man. He's fucking yeah. Muldoon. But I did want to ask the doc. Have you seen Hitcher 2? I've been waiting from 2003. I have. I you know I I rented it and right when it was released and you know I put it too. in the DVD yeah. player and you know I <laughs> didn't really make me. it <laughs> I didn't really make it pretty much I mean I didn't make it through the trailers <laughs> No I made it through the trailers but I might yeah. have seen 15 minutes of the fucking movie before I was like I really don't want to watch this it's just, classic doctor. Yeah. Classic doctor move. You know, he'll put the movie on at like fucking eleven forty five and be sleeping by eleven forty. No, that that wasn't the case here though. That wasn't that is a classic move for sure, and I don't deny it. And I've talked about it many times. But in this case in this place I I definitely watched like ten to fifteen minutes and just decided that I didn't want to watch the movie. Uh, you know, so I I didn't watch it and I haven't seen it and I won't. Uh, nor will I. Do I have any plans to ever watch the remake? Oh, I've seen the entire I might thing. Watch the, remake. the remake, yeah, I mean, take it for what it's worth. But yeah, Hitcher Two, it's basically just the Hitcher all over again, except you have Jake Busey playing the John Ryder character named Jack this time, dressed almost the exact same way as Rucker Howard in the film, and now he's trying to pin murders on both Jim Halsey and his wife throughout the entire film. It's 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 just. Oh, wait, is, is he like the son of Ryder? Nope. Do they connect nope. him? He's just a hitchhiker. <clears throat> yeah. No, no, they don't make any reference to John Ryder. He's just a hitchhiker that uh, Jim Halsey encounters with his wife on the way through Texas. So it's like, how could the same so thing happen basic- to the same guy twice? I was going to say, it's basically the fucking John McClane is occurring to him. <laughs> yep. which is yeah, like, yeah. How many fucking times can you end up getting stuck in, like, terrorist situations, you know? Now, here's, here's yeah. a thought. What if, this, what if this movie was following um, another very common theme from so many movies of the mid to late 1980s? What if in this movie, uh, John, like, C. Thomas Howell is in unconfident young man, what if Rutger Hauer's character, John Ryder, is like C. Thomas Howell's Mr. Miyagi, who over the course of their adventures together, he helps C. Thomas Howell uh, find his confidence and become a man. Wow. I said that before. It's the evolutionary thing that I was (laughs) talking about. He he helped make him. He fucking formulated him. He gave him the balls to kill him. (laughs) So he's like a fucking twisted Miyagi. Yeah, and and one thing that you guys were talking about at the at the start when we started talking about the Hitcher, uh, C. Thomas Howell back in the '80s doing all these different movies that weren't uh, Red Dawn and The Outsiders. Have you guys ever seen Any Town USA with no. C. Thomas Howell with Jimmy Lee Curtis, where Jimmy Lee no. Curtis is the wife of a? Anyway. Oh man! Like if you want to go now. '80s, yeah, Any Town USA with C. Thomas Howell and Jimmy Lee Curtis. Where she's the wife of a kind of like a demolition derby. Do you mean guy. wait? Do you mean Grandview, USA? I thought it was Anytown, USA, but you might be right with Grandview, USA. Grandview, USA. 
So there it is, Grandview. I thought it was Anytown USA, but it is Grandview USA. That is an amazing 80s movie with Jimmy Lee Curtis. And if you want to see her tatas, they are in full effect in that movie with C. Thomas Howell right, being the love interest I, in that movie. I got to check just, out a, a trailer of this to know if I've seen it yeah. or not. Well, so sure how about of a cast? John it and is a great movie. And, yeah, I saw it a lot back in the day. It was on TV a lot when I was a kid. I remember watching it a lot. I'm like, oh, that's the guy from The Outsiders, and that's Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween. So this movie's pretty good. But yeah, it's it's one of those movies that nobody really knows about, but it's worth checking out if you're a fan of like 80s weird small town films and just people going nowhere. But yeah, great plot. Mm-hmm. And right. so the... that is uh, the hitcher for this week. Uh, so next week, uh, the monkey will be joining us again, and it'll be my pick. So we're going to 1987, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this town. It's called Santa Carla. There's a lot of vampires there, apparently, and we're going to be covering the Lost Boys. All right. We are going to Santa Clara. Yeah. I'm picking that movie because at the end of the month, the monkey and I are going to a convention in Gettysburg, PA, where Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander, the Frog Brothers, will be there. But not only that, Tim Capello, the sexy sax man who did the song I Still Believe, will be there signing autographs and taking pictures. I can't wait because I want to get that autograph. I don't want to get that picture because if there's one memorable moment from that movie for me, it's that moment. Of him playing a saxophone. So what you're saying is that you want to get a you want to get a picture and autograph with an oiled up muscle man. That's what you're saying. I want to feel his hands. I want to tell him how much it means to me. Tim Capello. So essentially, so essentially, what you're saying is the most important moment of that movie was you realizing your homosexuality as you watched an oiled up muscly man blow on a saxophone. I was in touch with it. I was in touch. I was happy with it. I was like, you know what? I don't mind men because he looks awful good. So, yeah, that was a great moment in the movie, but also because Joe Bob Briggs is going to be there too. So that's the main reason I'm going. But yeah, once I found out that Tim Capella is going to be there with Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander, I said, you know what? We got to talk about the Lost Boys next week. I think it's well, an I'm pretty sure it was Mike Tyson who said everybody's straight until they get a dick in their mouth. You know what I mean? So, so <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's a, a film from the 80s that's pretty iconic in terms of vampire films. And we have not Man. covered it on the show. I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys. No, we never covered The Lost Boys. I looked through all our episodes, and I could not find one instance where we covered it just for the episode. We talked about it, wow. but we've never actually fully covered the movie. So this time it's going to be our chance. So if you have HBO, uh, it is a free on demand. Otherwise, you might have to dig out your old copies. And see if you can watch the Lost Boys for next week's episode. No, I'm good. I've got ways to see it. I watched this through fucking. Myself you know what, man? That's the thing. I I have to say, I had to watch the Hitcher on YouTube because there was no other way to fucking watch it. It was not yeah, available I watched it on, YouTube. on any other uh, yeah. any other uh, locations. I couldn't buy it. I couldn't rent it. Nothing. All right. Well, Doc, thank you so much for your pick tonight of the Hitcher, remembering the late Rucker Howard, and hopefully we'll see yes. you next week for the Lost Boys. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. It is my at this time. It is my intention uh, to be here. All right. So, cool. Want to hear us with a plug as it close out and your musical interludes? 
<laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you should all go to Bonfire Bead Designs on Etsy. All one word, Bonfire Bead Designs. You're going to find all kinds of jewelry. Necklaces, bracelets, rings, you name it. They're all gemstones. You know what? Listen, man, I can't do the whole commercial thing like that. It just drives me up the fucking wall. Just go to fucking Bonfire Beat Designs. Go buy some shit. Input on the thing. Cock, balls, pussy. And you're going to get some amazing shit. Okay? We're going to send you fucking pictures. And and you're going to see a big cock. You're going to see a pussy. It's going to happen. So, like I said, go to Etsy. Buy some shit because she's got some really cool items and she loves the show. So support those that support us. Be a supporter. Be a supporter. Be a fan. Buy that shit because, like the girl that she does, has some really cool shit. <clears throat> so hit that classic catchphrase that you always do as we close out. Stay scared. Stay scared. Until next week, meet, keep America strong, keep watching horror movies, and when we meet next week for my pick, Cry Little Sister, those damn vampires in Santa Carla, no good, we're going to stop them, Frog Brothers style. A.K.A. The King Loves Oiled Up Mother. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.